Now, I want you to see this other verse before I go back to Galatians. Look in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I read this to you before, but I want you to see it one more again, one more time very uh, quickly. In verse 8, this is the Apostle Paul talking about this race that he's running, the ministry that he has. See there in verse 1 of chapter 4, we have this ministry, we don't quit. It means we don't faint, we, we don't quit. But verse 8, we are troubled on every side, but we don't quit. We are dis perplexed, but we don't quit. And we're persecuted, but we don't quit. We're cast down, but we, we don't quit. And all the way down through here is that we just don't quit. We got problems, and they get offended, and they get hurt, but they just keep on going. Paul says in uh, chapter 11 of Corinthians, he says, he says, and, and we burn not, means that you don't think we get hurt and angry and bitter. He says it happens to everybody. But you keep going. Just always keep serving the Lord. Be faithful. Never al allow things that happens to so disappoint or discourage you that you stop serving the Lord. And see there in verse 16, he says, for which cause we faint not. This is why we don't quit. Because... It is for you, for other people. You're not here for you. You're here for them. I uh, preached a sermon years ago called, It's Not About You. It's not about you. Your life is not about you. It's about somebody else. It's about what God wants you to do for somebody else. So it's not all about you. It's about somebody else. And it will help you in your attitude of why you can accept things and keep going and so forth. And it will greatly help you. Now go back to the book of Galatians in chapter 5. When he says, ye did run, well, I want you to see this. He says, you did run. At least you ran. These are people in the city of, uh, in Galatia, and there was Lystra and Derby, Antioch, Iconium. These are the various places, and there were churches there. And Paul had gone to these towns, and he had won people to the Lord and got them to grow in the Lord, and they, they loved Paul. They loved the gospel, and they were growing, and they were joyful, they were excited about the things of the Lord. And while he was gone, somebody else came in and uh, these wolves in sheep's clothing. Wolves in sheep's clothing, by the way, are people that devour. And uh, they devour because they, they feed upon the people. They're not interested in the person, but they feed upon them. They're wolves. The sheep is not actually totally consumed. The Christian is just lost to the will of God. They got sidetracked. Something happened to them. A wolf in sheep's clothing, he doesn't use his real teeth. He's using a message. He's telling them something that isn't true. And so it warps the person's mind. He says, this persuasion, see in verse 8, this persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. In other words, it didn't come from God. God does not Keep you from obeying the truth. And what's the difference? Look in verse 7. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Because, see, if you don't obey the truth, you won't run. And if you don't run, you don't win. You don't win, you lost. So you're talking about the most important race in all the world. Now, I know some of us, we, we, we love to see sports. We, we love races. And some of y'all love stock car races. Some love to see the Olympics and people racing. We love the competition. You are in the greatest race 
of all time. Your life, you're running a race. You have a course that's set before you. And you're not to let anything or anybody deter you from your course. There's a lot of problems and heartaches and you don't know what all's coming out there, but you know whatever it is, I'm going to just keep on a running, just keep on a running, just keep on a running. Because you see, that's why he says you keep your eyes on the Lord and let the people holler and yell and whatever they do, but that is not to affect you. The, the praise or the booze, just keep running. Because those people that praise you today will be cursing you tomorrow. Same people. Just keep running. And don't worry about it. As long as you can hear the Lord looking over the banister of heaven and says, There runs my beloved in whom I am well pleased. As long as you do, this is pleasing God, it doesn't matter if somebody else praise you or don't praise you. You're not running for the, you're running for the Lord. You want his compliments. You want his hand to be upon you. But look again in verse 7. He says, you did run well. Well, what happened? He says, this persuasion didn't come from God. It came from somebody else. Now, look there in chapter 1. Chapter 1. Chapter 1 in verse 4. He tells them that Jesus Christ came into the world and died on the cross to pay for sins in order to deliver us from this present evil world. Running your race is being able to run through the obstacles of sin in the world without it getting you. Can you run your race without your old sinful nature destroying you? Can you run it without falling to the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life? Can you, can you beat that? Majority of Christians can't win. They can't, they can't fight it. The things of the world are so strong and so powerful that it gets some of them. And this one will get some of those. And some, because of the pride of life, pride don't hurt me. They were their feelings right there. And because of that, they won't be able to run. They won't win. But he makes the statement... He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Now, when you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were delivered from the penalty of sin, which is death and hell. Present evil world means the power of sin in your life. Can you run your race without it getting you? Otherwise, what's the purpose of running? What is this race? You see, you're after souls and keeping yourself clean while you do it. Because if you don't keep yourself right with God, you won't be around to do it. So you have to stay clean and right in order for the sins of the world not to dominate your life. Now, you still have the desires. You have all the desires everybody else has because you have a sinful nature. The lust and the pull of the world is strong in a Christian's life as anybody else. It's just that he wants to win more than what somebody else perhaps wants to win. But you're not racing against another Christian. Understand, no Christian runs the race against another Christian. You and I are not in competition. It's so difficult sometimes for people to understand. I am never, never competing against a Christian in the race that God has for us. I want to help every Christian that I know of to run his race. I'm not against a Christian. But I will try to help a Christian. And if behind, 
I will love you enough. I will rebuke you because I care. I want you to run your race. I want you to finish your race. And if I see something that's going to hurt, I want to tell you. I want to love you enough to do that. There's some people that are more concerned about themselves. And if somebody did or said something, they would never say a word. I'd never want to offend anybody. And you don't care about anybody. You would never say or do anything that would cause somebody to maybe explode at you, get mad at you. I care enough that I'll do just that. And then, like Paul says, you mean, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? Look what he says here. I want you to see this. Look there in the book of Galatians in chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, look in verse 11. He says to these Christians, he says, I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Well, see, we know that you don't bestow labor in vain in the Lord because God's going to reward you for what you do. But the work with the people, how many years I've spent in laboring with people only to be totally in vain and accomplish absolute zero in their lives. But you labor anyway. See, I'm going to run my race. I'm just trying to help others to run theirs. Because you care. You want them to win. So you tell them, this is what God wants for your life. And then you tell them, this is what's going to hurt. You're accomplishing that. And so many who start run well. They run, and they run well. They correct. They discipline. But then something happens. Always something happens. He says in verse 11, I'm afraid of you, lest I bestowed upon you labor in vain. He says, but brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. He says, you haven't injured me. It's not about me. It's not against me. But he let them know that this is what God said and that the message that they turned against was the message that God gave. He explained to them in chapter 5 about the two natures and that God is not mocked and that whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. But he told them all of that. But he says, not between you and me. Serving God is not between you and me. It's always between you and God. But we're not in competition. I'm not in competition with Leon or Tim or Robert or anybody. We're to try to help encourage each other to serve the Lord. But if I have to say something that I think is going to hurt your testimony, and I do that, and you hate me for it, it's not me you hate. It's not me you're mad at. It's God. Why do you think the scripture says in chapter 5, chapter 12, in verse 5 of Hebrews, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. God rebukes through his God-given appointed messenger. So you have a responsibility. You have to rebuke. And when you rebuke, the Bible says in Titus, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Rebuke sharply. And God said, don't, don't worry about their feelings. That's hard. This is why being a, a preacher that's worth anything at all, it's a difficult thing because you, you run the risk and you hurt so many people, but you have no desire to hurt a soul. But you want people to do what is right because it's right to do. I want you to see this. Look there in verse uh, 13. 
He says, Ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at the first. And my temptations or testings which was in my flesh ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Jesus Christ. In other words, when I first came to you, man, you thought I was the greatest. I was the best. You welcomed me with open arms. You thought I was an angel of light that came here. That's what Paul says. He says, but in verse 15, where is then the blessedness you spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, ye would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. And this is why many believe that Paul had bad eyesight. Because in the last chapter of uh, the book of Galatians, he says, you can see what with large characters that I wrote. So we believe that Paul had bad eyesight and he had to write such big letters because of that. He says, and you would have given your own eyes to me. You loved me that much. And yet now the same people have turned and changed. You think it hurt Paul? Broke his heart? Yeah, but it didn't injure him in the sense that it caused him to stop, not to run his race. He always tried to solve the problem by giving what the scriptures call sound doctrine, teaching the truth. Just teach the truth. And get what he says here. He says in verse 16, and you ought to underline verse 16. Remember, I believe that God allows me to go through many things so that they burn within me that I might teach them to you because you've got it coming. Sooner or later down the road. It'll happen. But if something that I say will help you to be strong in the Lord, then so be it. I, I want the Lord to teach me everything so that I can teach you. That same truth. In verse 16, am I therefore become your enemy because I do what? I tell you the truth. He says, these other ones, he says, they zealously affect you, but not well. And that's why he says over there, ye did run well, and they affected you, but wasn't well. It wasn't the best. You're not running like you used to run. You don't have the joy you used to have. You don't have the peace that you used to have. That's why he's talking to them about the peace and joy and happiness down there in verse 22 of chapter 5. He says, in verse 19, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. See, after a man trusts Christ as Savior, see, your responsibility is not judge it because the person knows the Lord. But now you've got the responsibility not only for yourself, but for other people to grow strong in the Lord. For Christ to be formed in you so that you become like Christ, so you can think like Christ, so you keep going like Christ, so you don't quit because Christ didn't quit. He says in chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews, where we were just a moment ago, he says, Consider him, consider him, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, but he finished his course. He ran his race. You have a race to run, and so do I. Now, what caused all of these other problems is they got them off on the clarity of the gospel. That the gospel either is not what he said it was, or it doesn't have the preeminence that God says it does. Remember I used an illustration one time, here's a flagpole. There's a flagpole. There's a flag. There's guide wires on the flagpole. See them? Can you see them? See, you and I, we're the flagpole. The flag... That's the gospel. The guide wires, that's the character in our lives. 
The only thing that keeps me standing straight and strong is my character. So you study the Word of God so you can have strong character, so you can stand against the wiles of the devil. But the purpose of having a flagpole is so that you can have a flag. That's the gospel to keep it waving. Take down the flag. If you don't have a flag, you don't need a flagpole. If you don't have a flagpole, you don't need character. See, everything falls apart in a Christian's life. If you lose purpose, if you lose the goal, why am I here? What's this whole thing about? So to get the gospel out, I need to be strong, and I need to have strong character in my life because the winds of adversity are going to be blowing, and I don't want to fall. I don't want to stop. But he says, somebody's changed the flag. And when the flag changes, the guide wire the character is not going to be as important. And it affects everything in a person's life. See what he says in verse 6 of chapter 1? He says in verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon, and here's that word, removed. You've changed. You'd be surprised over the years that people will always say, Yankee changed. Yankee changed. And those that know me, or know me the way I was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago says he ain't changed a bit. Now, I'm not talking about the way I look. I'm talking about what I stand for. That don't change. You can get my sermons today and you can get them that were 30 years ago or 40 years ago. It ain't changed. My purpose and goal in life ain't changed. What I wanted back then, I still want today. That hasn't changed. I hope that I've mellowed just a little bit, but I don't want to mellow too much. They say mellow is the stage right before rotten. I don't want to be rotten. But he says in verse 6, I marvel you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. The grace of Christ is the gospel. Unto another gospel. That tells you that he's talking about that. Which is not another. Because you see, the gospel and the test of the gospel is grace. You add one work to the gospel, it's no longer the gospel. Salvation has to be totally by grace or totally by works, but it cannot be by both. Think about it. It's got to be totally grace, totally free, or totally by works. But it can't be both ways. So he says, you add one work to it, it's no longer free. He says, and there's some of these legalistic Judaizers that came down from Jerusalem, they came down here to Galatia, and they were teaching these people this doctrine of adding works to the gospel. And when they did that, and some of them wound up believing it, and they were changed. It robbed them of their joy. It changed the goal in their life. And when you place a man under the law, the law is that which controls the flesh. And so the people begin to walk in the flesh, trying to obey a law. And so that's why you have chapter 5 that's talking about if you walk in the Spirit, you don't have to worry about the flesh. If you do right, you don't have to worry about doing wrong. If you always serve the Lord and keep doing what God says to do, you don't have to worry about the sins in the world. Am I going to fall? Am I gonna, is that going to be too great a temptation? You don't have to worry about it. Just keep serving God. If you fall, confess it, get it, and keep going. But you never lay there in the mud. I'm not talking about being perfect. 
talking about running a race. Running a race, you stumble sometimes. Running a race, you fall sometimes. But you get back up and you keep on a running, but you never stop. Some people just let it cause them to stop totally and never do anything else for God again. But he says in verse 8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. That's an accursed message to add works to the gospel. I take a stand on the clarity of the gospel because it's what the Bible says. Look in chapter 3. Chapter 3. Look in verse 1. He says, O foolish Galatians. What did Paul call them? Foolish. He says, you're a fool. Boy, he's not trying to win friends and influence people, is he? No, he hit right between the eyes. They said, well, they, they didn't like that. Deal with it. Truth is always truth. Christ spoke truth. It didn't matter how he said it, it was still true. Deal with that. That's what we have to deal with. It's like talking to a lost man. Look, sir, there's, there's a place called hell. You know, that's offensive to me. I wish you wouldn't say that. Well, I don't know no nice way to say, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. There's a hell. In verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Because if you don't obey the truth, you don't run. You don't run the race. He says, you did run well. Now you ain't running anymore. Who or what caused you not to obey the truth? What caused you not to believe it anymore? How many times I've taken teenagers to camps? <laughs> For so many years. You pour in so much work and the money and the long hours. I never needed a camp. But you did it because the kids need the word. The kids need to be challenged. And so you'll go through whatever it is and drive a bus of sleepless hours and go through all the stuff. I remember one time I was out in Colorado. We was getting ready to take a load of kids, teenagers, senior high, a junior high, all the way down to Florida, 2,150 miles one way, 48 hours on the road one way, no sleep. Once you started, you didn't sleep till you got there. And I would drive all the way. I got on a guy's trampoline at Don Jackson's house. And when I did, I came down wrong, and my foot went down through the little wires, you know, and I hit the ground, and I twisted my ankle. And I mean, I twisted it bad. And I'm the driver for the bus, and we leave the next day. So I got on the bus, and I started driving. I was trying every way I could to try to shift and race in the motor without having to push in the clutch. And I sat there with my foot down all that way. When I finally got to camp, I could hardly walk. My foot was so bad. I hadn't had my shoe and socks off since I started. <laughs> it stunk up. But when I got there, the nurse, she took a look at it, and she couldn't hardly get my shoe off. It's swollen. Got it off from right below my knee down to my toe was black. I mean, she says, oh, my God, what have you done? I said, well, it hurt pretty bad. <laughs> she says, I don't believe you. Anyway, I had, it cost me a, a couple of days of trying to get it taken care of, but it was all right. And I drove the bus back. When I got back, I had three-day rest, and we took the next bus back for the senior high camp. I'd love to just stop, not do anything. But you go through it. It didn't matter what it took. 
I'd have stayed home, there was nobody else to drive that bus. But you do it. And you think, it will always be worth it all, but sometimes with people, see, they may not respond. You can't be responsible for people's decisions. That's their decision. Did you give them the chance to hear the gospel, to dedicate their lives to the Lord? And so many de dedicated lives, I'm going to serve the Lord, that means I'm going to run the race. And then they get hindered. They go back to school and they get with the other kids and just that quick, they forget all about what they promised God. And how many times I've been to hospitals and how many have promised God. And how many people that I talk to and they promise God and they don't keep their word. But me keeping my word has nothing to do with them keeping theirs. I dedicated my life to the Lord. I want to serve Him. And it doesn't matter whether somebody else does or they don't. You want to stay faithful and just keep doing what God wants you to do. And God says if you do, that He'll bless you. And He made this statement here. This only what I've learned of you. Receive you the Spirit by the works of the Lord, by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, you started running the race. Are you now made perfect by the flesh? You stopped running the race. You see, you can only run this race if you stay right with God. You don't stay right with God. You're not, you're not running a race. You're not running a race. You're going through the motions, and your Christian life is mechanical. You do the right things at the right time, but it's not because of your love for the Lord. You have to put the Lord, and He has to have preeminence in your life. And if you do, everything else will work out the way God says to. And always be faithful. See, you may look around and say, you know, there's, there's not a lot of people here. Okay, so there's not a lot of people here. But do you know that there may be enough people here that can change the world? Do you know we have to be convinced that what we have and the truth that we have and our love and loyalty to the Lord and to each other is strong enough by which can be a nucleus by which we can absorb more. We may have only a few in the choir, but we're learning how to be one. And I would rather it be small until we get down a lot of things that we need to, but I believe the day will come when we can rebuild back. All we've got to do is just stay faithful. The key is faithful. Stop and think this way. What would we be doing if everyone that had ever been here was still here? Well, you couldn't hold the people, but that don't work that way. But let's just be faithful to do what we can. We started running a race. Are we going to let what somebody says or does cause us not to be found faithful running the race that God has set before us? Let's just be faithful to do what God says to do until the Lord comes. Agree? Don't it make sense? So simple. Just do right. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, we do thank you again for your blessings to us. We thank you for the wonderful privilege you give us, give us to know your word and to know that there's others that have gone through some of the same things that we go through. Even the churches that the apostles that started, uh, they're not even in existence today. A lot of things come and go and so will we. But Father, the work in the lives of people, that's what's important. So we ask your blessings upon each person here, each family represented, and Father, for their faithfulness and bless them because of it. Help us to continue to run the race. Not to let what somebody says or does stop us, but always be faithful doing what's right. And we'll know that we'll give you the praise and the honor for all that you do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.